Hello and welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. My name is Dan, and today we're going to talk about my favorite thing in the world, professional volleyball. Today is going to be a bit of a double episode. I'm going to answer those questions you guys asked me on my Instagram story last week, as well as do the kind of traditional professional roundup recap thing that I usually do at the beginning of each week. So there was a lot of exciting playoff action this week. A couple big upsets in the Italian Super League playoffs with Monza beating Perugia and Padova beating Trentino, as well as Tabate beating Santa Cruzero in the Brazilian Super League. So I'll kind of try and work those into the questions. And then I'm sure, as you guys know, they'll be a part of my winners and losers and performances of the week as well. So now I'm going to answer questions from my Instagram followers. The first one we have is from Logan Mueller, and he asks, how smoothly will Wilfredo Leon adjust to the Polish national team? And I think Wilfredo Leon is actually one of the best players to just plug in and play on any team, regardless of the surrounding talent. His two best talents are obviously serving and also hitting out of system balls, two skills that kind of rely very little on who's playing around you. But he does fit really smoothly into this Polish national team, assuming he takes the starting spot from Arthur Szelpuk. So he will likely be playing alongside Mikhail Kubiak, who is one of the most technical outside hitters in volleyball, extremely good passer, extremely good back row defender. So Leon needs someone like that to play alongside with. That's why he was paired with Lanza in Perugia. Someone who can pass balls. You know, Leon's an incredible player, but not exactly the best passer in the world. Kubiak and Zatorski will be able to pick up a lot of slack in passing. And honestly, uh, it's frustrating that, you know, Leon's going to be fit so well in this Polish national team that already won the last two world championships. And the follow-up question is, who else has a shot at gold? Honestly, Poland has got to be the overwhelming favorites here. Adding Leon to a team that already just won the world championships is pretty unfair. And adding in, like I said earlier, as the other outside hitter that just works so perfectly with Mikhail Kubiak. But if the other teams do have a chance, especially, I think, the Americans who came very close to beating Poland to the World Championships, just a couple missed serves away, and we'll be talking a lot more fav- favorably about this American national team. Also, France and Russia are two Nations League finalists, both teams that are very strong at every single position on the court, could definitely give Poland a run for their money in the right circumstances. Although Leon definitely changes the uh, balance of power in those matchups. Next question... Michael Jado asks if Perugia doesn't win the Champions League and the Italian Scudetto, is their season considered a failure? I mean, my kind of gut reaction is that, yeah, Perugia should be winning both these competitions considering how stacked their lineup is. Obviously, the huge addition of Wilfredo Leon to the team, the best player in volleyball, you know, paying his salary, it's a big commitment for Perugia's ownership. So, I guess the expectation is that they should win both the Champions League and the Italian League. However, I don't think you can consider their season a failure if they don't. I mean, look at Lube Civitanova, another team that went out and spent a lot of money last season bringing in Robert Landy-Simon and Yoandri Leal. And they have Sven Sokolov, Bruno. Like, their team's super stacked as well. A very expensive team. Trentino's looked awesome this year with Kovacevic and Russell and Gianelli and Lizanach and all those guys, and Grabenikov, tons of new additions to that team. Zenik is on, as of recording, is giving them a lot of trouble in the Champions League as well. 
So I think there are teams that are comparatively talented as Perugia. Maybe not quite as talented, but definitely in the same uh, realm of skill level. So I don't think it's a disappointment if they lose both. I think if they don't win either, I think then you can consider their season maybe not a failure, but probably a disappointment for the players and for ownership. I don't think Leon would leave if they don't win either. I think they've already made it far enough. Maybe if they lose in the quarterfinals of the Italian League against Monza, that game coming up this weekend as well, because they're forcing a game three, which is going to be a very, very exciting match. Must watch volleyball. I expect Perugia, you know, they're going to be playing at home to absolutely kill Monza, but if Perugia loses in the quarterfinals of the Italian League playoffs and loses in the semifinals tomorrow against Zenikazan in the Champions League, then their season is definitely a failure. But any scenario other than that, disappointment but not failure. And they could very well win both championships. It's definitely still within the realm of possibility. All they need to do is beat Zenikazan 3-2 tomorrow and then win the golden set or just win 3-1 or 3-0. Next question is from It's Be Normal. They ask... Engaped and Zenik is on. How is he so good despite being so short? So I think one thing we have to keep in mind is that Irvin Engaped is not really that short. He's 6'4", which I guess maybe compared to a lot of the other outsides, a lot of the time are getting to be 6'7 and 6'8 seems like the average nowadays. Sure, he's, he's shorter than that, but really 6'4", and he has a pretty big wingspan. So he's not really giving up a ton of reach compared to those guys. Maybe a few inches, but it's not like... He's competing out there like 5'9". But he still does have a lack of size compared to a lot of other outsides. And I think the reason why one of the reasons why he's so good is because of his amazing technical ability. I think that's one thing overlooked from Engapet is that he is a really strong passer, really technical passer, maybe one of the best passing outsides in volleyball. Additionally, he's a really good backup setter, was usually the second guy to come in for Modena, and also usually the second guy to come in for Zenit Kazan as well. Of course, we know the famous play dubbed the Engapet, where he goes in for a fake pipe hit and then sets it to one of the outsides that he immortalized. I'm sure you've seen lots of YouTube clips of that. He's also a very athletic player, even though he might not be as tall as some of these uh, other guys. He can still attack the ball from the same position and block the ball at the same height just because he jumps a little higher than them. He's also a very crafty hitter, even though sometimes he's not going OT as much as maybe Wilfredo Leon or Matt Anderson. He manipulates the block really well, tools it, uh, tips into it, just generally causes a lot of grief for blockers. Sometimes it's almost an advantage hitting into a block as a shorter player if you really know how to work around it because you can get tools sometimes a little easier, especially off the sides. And of course, he's an absolutely incredible server, which is not too too affected by your height you can still be a really strong jump server even if you're only 6'4 <laughs> again not that short much taller than i am luke Weirens asks what do you think the most important skill in volleyball is i mean obviously it depends on your position setting is important for setters blocking is important for middle blockers but i guess you have to say serving that's especially in men's volleyball that's where how every rally begins that's how you kind of determine what kind of rally it's going to be, whether it's going to be an in-system rally, an out-of-system rally, whether it's a shank, whether you can take opposing hitters out of the rally. And it's the only skill that every player in volleyball, except for the libero, has to learn. So I, I would definitely say 
serving followed by probably attacking and then passing uh, they're all pretty close though but but serving number one hugo van garderen asks it's been a few days since the champions league and i can't find the games eurovolley.tv if you're gonna get it at any time i would get it maybe like for the next month or i would have got it maybe two weeks ago so you could fit in the semifinals and the finals of the champions league I believe it's only six or seven maybe eight euros a month so if you just get one month of it not a huge burden on the wallet and you will be able to watch any previous champions league games as well as the games going on now and as well as the finals happening in berlin and he also asks how much influence do you have as a commentator uh nothing yet maybe one day but not definitely nothing right now jay camarda asks engapet or leon who is better we got a lot of engapet leon questions in this one and then he the follow-up is who is better for kazan and perugia respectively i have them as definitely the number one and two outside hitters in volleyball right now maybe number one and two in volleyball overall but i will give the edge to leon maybe engapet is better at more skills than leon He's a better passer, better back row defender, better setter. But I think what Leon does, which is attacking and serving, he just does so ridiculously well. And that's such an enormously higher level than pretty much any other player in volleyball that I have to give the edge to Leon. Averaged over an ace per set in the Super League this season. Hit it just about 60% as an outside hitter that <laughs> was hitting a high volume of balls. Both stats that are pretty much unheard of in volleyball. So for those reasons, I'm going to have to go with a Leon as the better player. Although I don't know if he'd be the better player on every single team, but generally if I just had to pick a team of average players and who I would put on that team, I would pick Leon over Engapet. The next question is really interesting because pull Leon off of Perugia. They still have a lot of offensive talent, especially if you put Nick Hogue or Alexander Berger as a replacement on outside. You still have Eitan Asajevic hitting on the opposite. He can go back to a number one option. Obviously, we've seen him be a very effective number one option. You still have Podra Shannon in the middle and Decheco orchestrating your offense. And even though Lanza, not a particularly good offensive player, he has picked it up a lot this year and is doing a lot better. So you still have a few offensive weapons, and then you have Nick Hogue coming in as a fairly good outside attacker off the bench. If you take Irvin Engapet off of Zenit Kazan, I guess you put in Sermachevsky or Alexiev as his backup. I don't know, that'd be a pretty big hole to fill for Zenit Kazan. Engapet is a big-time scorer for them. He's their second setter. Although well, the thing is, Zenikazan would still have so many offensive weapons as well. They would still have Maxim Mikhailov and Matt Anderson. And then Verbov is more than fine as a secondary setter. So I would have to say Leon is more of an impact on Perugia than Engapet is on Kazan. Although, again, it's very close. They both impact their team so positively. Both definitely the focal point of the respective clubs. I'm really excited to see the matchup tomorrow between Kazan and Perugia and these two go at each other the last game was the best game of the year absolutely legendary go check it out if you haven't seen it on eurovolley.tv and I hope the next one is just as fun Cobalt Squad asks why does UCLA play a 6-2 instead of a 5-1 so if you're listening to this from Europe probably not too familiar with, 
with what's been going on at UCLA, which is an American university based out of Los Angeles. Have a couple of really big time prospects and Micah Ma'a and uh, Dane and Jimma, two guys who you'll definitely see playing overseas professionally at some point. But an interesting thing is happening over there this year. They're coached by USA national team head coach John Spira, and they've had a lot of injuries this year. I think they had their first three outside hitters injured. Dylan Misery, Austin Matutita, they've been out for most of the year. So Spira has had to get creative. What Cobalt Squad is referring to is, for a while, they actually played a 6-2, which you see extremely rarely in modern men's professional volleyball, because they found out Micah Ma'a is actually a really effective outside hitter. As their setter, he's got good size, he's 6-4, super athletic, a beach player, so he's got he's got all the passing skills necessary. So they you know, figured, why not? He can play some right side, he can hit some right side. But it actually gets even more interesting now, as they've sustained even more injuries. Micah Ma'a is now playing as a full-time outside. And remember, this is a guy who is an All-American as a setter for the last couple seasons, and now he's playing as an outside hitter. I don't think I've seen that tr- transition before. We've seen setter to opposite, you know, Namir Abdelaziz, Ivan Zaitsev, got a few good examples of that, but never really setter to outside hitter because passing is generally a skill that takes a long time to learn to play it at the highest level and setters generally don't have the time to specialize in passing as well but Micah Ma doing very well as an outside hitter and interestingly enough uh, Dane and Jimma uh, Kofi kid on Instagram if you want to see how impressive he is definitely the best middle in college uh, volleyball probably the best middle in North America right now not playing pro but he's playing opposite now so their setter switched to outside, their middle switched to opposite. It's kind of an interesting uh, experiment that UCLA is going through. And while they haven't been at the top of the standings, they are 18-8, and eight, which is not bad considering their first three outside hitters were all injured and they've had to play completely out of position. So definitely one of the most creative things I've seen in volleyball recently. W Brander 14 asks, who will win the Champions League? Oh, that's a tough one. I think whoever comes out of this Perugia versus Gazan bloodbath is going to be very exhausted for the finals. Additionally, a Perugia having to play an extra match against Monza. So whatever team makes it out of there, they're, they're going to have a lot of miles on the legs by the time the finals rolls around in Berlin. So I'm going to say, I know this is tough to bet against because this is the perennially second place team but i'm gonna go with alube chivitanova finally getting the silver medal monkey off their back and going on to win the champions league so you know they've come second place in almost every competition they've played in over the last few years so getting a gold medal i think would be one of the sweetest victories for them and i hope they can do it but you know it's it's really a three three-man race between perugia kazan lube chivitanova We'll find out who comes out from the Prujikazan side in under 24 hours. So that will be exciting to watch and go on to play Luby Chivitanova. Yao, Yao, and Yao. Great name, by the way. He asks, why was India banned from the FIVB? So if you don't know, India has not been able to participate in FIVB events since I think it was 2016. Not a super, super strong volleyball country, so you might not have noticed that, especially if you are not from Asia. But actually, I did some research into this, and the reason isn't nearly as bad 
as I thought. There's not really a scandal. There wasn't really any corruption. There wasn't any cheating. Basically, it was just a power struggle between two different factions in the Indian Volleyball Federation. They couldn't really agree on leadership. They couldn't agree on a vision. They couldn't agree on who was their president, who was going to liaison with the FIVB. So they're just like, okay, you're not allowed to participate in events until you figure this out. Basically, that's the ongoing issue that's going on. I think the ban is temporarily lifted, so we will get to see some Indian national teams play volleyball pretty soon, hopefully. Uh, I really liked the Indian Pro Volleyball League that took place, I believe it was in January, February, and the beginning of March. Actually, really well done. The level of play wasn't super, super high, but they tried out some interesting rules. They had really good production value. They had great crowds, so I hope volleyball is able to thrive in India and they can participate in some FIVB events, especially the Asian Continental Tournaments and uh, Asian Club Championships. Our second last question, Micah Skinner, big fan of the podcast, asks a very interesting question. He loves his rankings, and he asked me to rank my top eight outside hitter rankings. Yeah, that's right, not top ten, not top five. Top eight. Mike, I'm interested in hearing why you chose eight. Anyway, I wrote down a list of all the best combinations I could think of. I think I got most of them. So here they are, number eight to number one. I'm going to go in reverse order of my top outside hitter rankings. So at number eight, I have Gord Perrin and Nemanja Petrik of Belgorod in Russia. They've been a very deadly offensive pairing with Perrin being the primary offensive option on the team, and Petrik being debatably second, along with Zemchenok, their opposite. Of course, both both these players are very good at pretty much every skill. Great attackers, great servers, great defenders, great passers for the most part. So, you know, both all-around players can get get it done on both ends. Led Belgorod to a CEV Cup victory, the most prestigious tournament in volleyball. And also doing fairly well in the Russian Super League. See how they do during the playoffs. But, you know, Perrin, one of the best outsides in the world. Petrik, not really an elite level anymore, in my opinion. It's better, definitely better Serbian outsides, but can still get it done. Still a volleyball legend. At number seven, I have the pair from Zaksa, Kizers, and Kajle, Sam Daru, and Alex Schlifka. I'm actually surprised I had these guys so low. You'll see, though, when I, when I talk about the other outsides on this list. Sam Daru, having the season of a lifetime, hit like 56 kill percentage in the Plus League regular season, passed at like 55%. Schlifka, not quite as ridiculous efficiency, but still a really, really good player. Kind of gets forgotten about in the Polish national team, but if he was on a few other national teams, we would be talking about him a lot more. Really, really strong player. Great hair. So these guys are killing with Zaksa, Kajic, and Kajle. We haven't even seen them in the playoffs yet. Have a matchup against Zavrici starting this weekend. Number six, we have Wilfredo Leon and Felipe Lanza. I don't know, I'm surprised I put these guys so low. Obviously, Wilfredo Leon, the best outside hitter, best volleyball player in the world over an ace set. We've heard, talked about all these things a million times. The issue is, even though Lanza's had a better season than I think myself and many expected, actually serving pretty well, kind of attacking decently too, He's still definitely probably the the worst outside that I'll talk about on this list. Not really at the level 
of a lot of, a lot of these other guys. He's kind of a one-trick pony. He can pass well. He can play a, some pretty good back row defense, but he's just so much more limited offensively and blocking as a lot of these other guys. So that's why I have these guys a little lower, even though Leon is insanely talented. What I want to talk about with Perugia, though, they probably have the best four-man outside lineup out of anyone because they have Leon and Lanza as kind of been the starters so far. Then you have Nick Hogue, the Canadian outside hitter, who's a really strong player. Arguably, I would say, better player than Lanza. Doesn't really fit well next to Leon in the starting lineup, though. And then you also have the Austrian Alex Berger, who was their first guy off the bench in last year in their, you know, amazing season. So, you know, if it, if it was a four-man lineup, they would probably have the best one. Then at number five, I have Ricardo Lucarelli and Douglas Souza slash Facundo Conte on Tabate. And I say slash because it's been a bit of an interesting debate this season between Conte and Doug Souza over who should start. I think we were all surprised to see that all three of these players would be on the same team in Tabate this year. I mean, Lucarelli, I mean, you have to start him. He's one of the best outsides in the world. But Conte and Douglas Souza are both incredible as well. And I think a lot of people were confused as to why Tabate would sign, have one of these players come off the bench because all three are way too good to come off the bench. And I think they signed Doug Souza before the World Championships, I believe. I mean, we kind of knew how good he was before, but I think the World Championships are really where he proves himself. So Tabate kind of found themselves with too much of a good thing, kind of struggled a bit during the regular season, struggled a bit in the first round of the playoffs. But these guys are really coming together now. It seems like Doug Souza's actually been getting more minutes than Conte and Conte's kind of been coming off the bench to serve or, or when one of those players is not having their best game but really quite a deadly two-man lineup no matter if you have Conte or Doug Souza as that second guy next to Lucarelli then at number four I have the legendary youngsters that are starters both on Fekel Novi Ernegoy and on the Russian national team Igor Kliuka and Dmitry Volkov both of these guys are young they're tall, and they're really, really good at volleyball. If you didn't know them a year ago, you definitely know them now with really strong showings at the Nations League, really strong showing at the World Championships, and then also at the Club World Championships, where Fekel Novi Erengo, I think, surprised a lot of people with how well they did. Volkov has been racking up awards with Best Outside Hitter at the Nations League as well as the Club World Championships. He's really fun on the court, loves putting on a show, loves screaming at the camera, fun player to watch. And then Kliuka is kind of the opposite, very calm, collected player. But in my opinion, equally as talented, extremely tall. I think he's like 6'10", easily OTs people, massive server, good passer for his size, good technical player for his size. So these, these guys, hopefully they can stay together even longer, though I suspect at least one of them will get picked up by Zenit Kazan. I hope we can see much more of them for the future because they're still only 23, 24. Still got lots of time left to play some good ball. Number three, I have Yoandri Leal and Osmani Wantarena. Bit of a rough time adjusting for Leal to the Italian Super League. I think a lot of us expected him for him to come in and just dominate right at the gate, but it did take him some time. Started out making a lot more errors than you would expect. Didn't have quite the deadly service that he's known for. But recently, Lial and Lube Civitanova have been doing a lot better. Lial, big part of the reason why 
Lubici Vitanova has done so well in the Champions League playoffs as well as the Italian League playoffs. Got MVP in their first game against Verona. And while Juan Torreira might be starting to his decline, he's still one of the best outsides in the world. Still posted absurd statistical numbers during the Italian League season. And I'm sure will play a big role if they manage to actually win either the Champions League or the Italian League, like I predicted in the first part of this podcast. And at number two, second place, I have Uroš Kovacevic and Aaron Russell of Trentino Volley. And I think this is one of the pairs where both players are just so even, so complementary to each other. Kovacevic, with by far his best season in his career, actually managed to get a tie for MVP with Wilfredo Leon from La Gazzetta du Sport, even though I heavily disagree with that decision. It just goes to show that people really respected Kovacevic's season. Definitely was the second-plus player in the league, other than Leon on the outside. Just getting it done in passing, getting it done in defense. Good blocker, good server. And of course, really fun attacker to watch, really crafty, really smart. Scores in just so many different ways with his roll shots, his beat shots, his wipes off the block, his really intentional tools, and of course, the lefty bounce that he's so well known for. Then Aaron Russell, one of the best players for the USA national team. Again, like Kliuka, a huge player on the outside at 6'10", really strong blocker, really good server, can hit the pipe amazingly, good attacker, just good passer for his size. This pair has been one of the biggest reasons for Trentino's success and second place finish in the Italian League regular season. Hopefully Kovacevic will be back for their last game against Padova because if you want to know his importance to the team, they got swept by Padova because he missed the game last weekend. And they swept Padova when they had him. So I think that's decent. If a small sample size, it's a good good indication of how important he is to the team. And at number one, I have the pair from Zenit Kazan, Matt Anderson, and Irvin Enkapet. This pair is absolutely elite in every volleyball skill. Definitely the best passing pair out of all these uh, players. Definitely the best back row defensive pair out of all these players. Irvin Engapet's an amazing server. Matt Anderson's an amazing server. They're both really good blockers. They're both attackers. Honestly, I don't think I need to explain my decision too much. I think most people would agree that these two are the best outside pairing in the world. So I'm going to tell you guys, here are the guys that didn't quite make the top eight, but were close guys that I thought of. Mlada Badapur and Arter Shalpuk on Skra Belchatov might have made the list, but they were very injured this year, not playing at 100%. Rosalind Penchev and Mauricio Souza playing on Ceci Rio de Janeiro. Julian Liniel, Christian Fromm. Liniel has had a fantastic season. Fromm has the potential to be an incredible player, but didn't really show it this season. And then Steven Marr and Trevor Cleveno on the eliminated Milano. The last question of this podcast, Volleyball Daily BR asks, what are your thoughts on the Plus Liga playoffs? Any surprises in the Italian playoffs this weekend? So that's a great question. I'm going to talk about it, but I think I'm going to talk about it as part of the winners, losers, and performances of the weekend. So let's get on to that section, our winners of the weekend. First nomination from myself is Zavrici, who made the semifinals of the Plus Liga. Congratulations. I don't think anyone would have expected this team to make it this far. If you just go look at their roster, 
doesn't really have the big names and the high budget players that a lot of the other top Polish clubs do. But through really good coaching, a great home court with fantastic fans, and just really good game planning and strategy, they have managed to make it to the semis where they get the honor of playing Zaksa Kadrzy and Kozlai. If they actually manage to give Zaksa a run for their money, I, I will just, this will be the greatest story of the season because these guys have definitely been underdogs so far, taking down some very good teams on the path to greatness. And, you know, I, I don't know. I think I'm going to be rooting for them in the semifinal series that starts, I th- believe, this Saturday, April 13th. Other winner of the weekend, Padova. You know, the playoff team that I think a lot of us rode off the most. You know, you could argue that Monza, Milano, and Verona had an outside shot at beating their respective opponents. But I think a lot of people, you know, looked at Padova, you know, Luigi Randozzo got injured with that ACL tear. They hadn't really finished the season with the best volleyball. I think a lot of people thought it'd be a very easy first round matchup for Trentino, but that didn't turn out to be the case. Padova's home court, they actually swept Trentino. Got positive contributions from a lot of players like Yasin Luati, Marco Volpato, of course, Maurice Torres, Dragon Trevica, who was your MVP, Santiago Donani, favorite Argentinian libero, and Canadian outside hitter Riley Barnes, who I was saying when the injury happened and they first signed Riley Barnes that he should be the starter over Lazar Sirovich. And now that he finally is, he's one of their best players and biggest contributors. You know, I don't expect Padova to win the series, but it certainly makes for a more exciting weekend for the Italian Super League. But my final ultimate winner of the weekend is Monza, who beat Perugia in five sets. And while I know Trentino's been a very good team this season, I think beating Perugia is the better accomplishment. The big story, Oleg Plotnitschke had an excellent game Donovan Zavronik, his other young teammate, had also had a very good game. You know, this this pair of guys, and I just actually got word that they're staying together for next year. So good job, Monza, for keeping these two. Good job scouting them. Good job finding one. I think they're both 21 years old, both outside hitters. Looks like they're best friends. You know, just a great story to see. The two young outside hitters from Monza getting that Cinderella win over Perugia. Again, like Padova, don't expect them to win the series. But I think just even forcing Perugia to a third game that no one expected is enough for them to win winner of the weekend. For our losers of the weekend, first up, we have the Plus Liga, just as a league, for having all these random like matches for 7th and 8th and 9th and 10th and 11th place. So if you didn't know, haven't been following the Plus Liga that carefully right now, they do like mini playoff brackets for different places. So they have a series for 6th place, and a series for 8th place, and a series for 11th place. They have all these little mini tournaments and series while like the main playoff bracket is going on. And honestly, I, I don't understand what the point of it is. You can just use the regular season standings to determine the standings if it's really that important to you. I think it's kind of tough for a lot of these players to keep playing volleyball when they know they're guaranteed of elimination. You know, they're out of the playoffs. They're not really playing for anything. They're just kind of playing extra games to pad out the season. The Plus Liga season is already longer than other club seasons, so I just think it's unnecessary. Let these guys go home. Let them get another couple, let them get an extra couple weeks of rest because a lot of them 
have a very tough and grueling national team schedule ahead of them. Not really sure what the point of doing an entire playoff series to determine 11th place is. Next loser of the weekend is Martin van Garderen, the Dutch outside hitter for Trentino. And I do sympathize with him a bit because it is tough to come in and replace Rosh Kovacevic, one of the best players in the entire league. You know, Martin van Garderen barely saw any time throughout the entire season, probably didn't play with the starters that much during practice, so doesn't really have a, have a rhythm with them. But this is like an epically bad performance that he pulled off on Sunday. One for 11 hitting, it's 9%. Three attacking errors. Four passing errors, courtesy of Robert Landy Simon's service, and only one point in the match. Honestly, that's maybe one of the worst stat lines I've ever seen. Really tough for your team to win when one player, especially one of your outside hitters, is performing so poorly. And this isn't some guy who's supposed to be a scrub player. He has some Italian Super League experience. He's supposed to be, you know, a rotation guy on the Dutch national team, so... I think this is a tough performance for him, and I really hope see better from him, although we've heard Kovacevic is likely to be returning for this weekend's action. And I don't think we'll see any Van Garderen. But the ultimate loser of the weekend is Sada Cruzeiro, who lost their first playoff match in the Brazilian Superliga semifinals to Funvic Tabate. And, you know, Tabate's a good team. It's not terrible that they lost to them, but the manner that they lost to them is pretty tough. The team made 29 service errors in this game, which was a four-set game, by the way. So 29 service errors, you know, about seven errors per set. So listen to this. Evangel Guerrera, six errors. Taylor Sander, six service errors. Isaac Santos, four serving errors. Rodrigo Liao, five service errors. Kevin LaRue, five service errors. And Fernando Kreling, Three service errors, so their best player only only had missed three serves, but pretty much all their starters were four or five or even six. Really tough to win a game when you're missing shots like that. They also added 10 reception errors to that, as well as seven attacking errors, and they got blocked 11 times. So that's how you lose. Their, their team hits 60% kill percentage, so that's how you lose when you still hit 60%. Give them loser of the weekend because... Service errors are the one thing you could control fully by yourself in volleyball. Sada Cruzeiro, 29 service errors. That's got to be like one of the biggest numbers of that I think I've almost ever seen. Anyway, we saw their series last year against Tabate. It was really exciting. They lost the first two matches, came back, won the next three. So we'll see if they can do the same thing this year. Even though They've only lost one match so far, so still early on in this series. And I doubt they'll miss this many serves again. Performances of the weekend. If you were following all the volleyball this weekend, I think you'll know who I'll pick as my winner, but give you a couple runners up first. First up, we have Robert Landy Seaman of Cucine Lubicivitanova with 15 points. Not a huge number, but it's kind of interesting how he got them. Only 5 for 10 hitting, especially from Simon. That's actually a pretty low number of hits and a pretty low hitting percentage, but seven aces and three blocks so he had 10 non-hitting points very impressive especially the seven aces part of the reason for martin van garderen's poor performance robert landy simon is really really taking advantage of that so well done by him ricardo lucarelli for tabate 
21 points, an extremely efficient 16 of 23 hitting, only one error, three blocks, two aces, just a good overall performance. And as I said, Santa Crucero making a ton of errors on the other side of the net. So if you have Lucarelli playing like that, you have Santa Crucero missing basically every serve they attempted. You're going to have a win on your hands. Lucarelli, so if you haven't been following the Brazilian Super League, he's fully healthy. He's looking really good. Watch out because Brazil is a lot better with Lucarelli. Going to be dangerous this summer. But the performance of the weekend, and by a pretty big margin, Oleg Plotnitschke, 29 points, 5 aces, 24 for 38 hitting, so good efficiency on a very high set load. And didn't really make too many errors, won the MVP, and got the win against Perugia. And it's not easy to hit a very efficient percentage against Perugia, given that pretty much every serve they hit inside the court is an absolute bomb from Leon and Nathan Nasadovic, Podrushan and Dicheko, pretty much all jump servers. And they also have a really mean block with Podrushan and Nathan Nasadovic and all those guys. Really good blocking and serving team. So a lot, a lot of players are hitting under 50%. Not Oleg Plotnitschke, the youngster, had an absolutely insane game. Please watch this guy play if you haven't. He's absolute phenom. He's climbing my uh, rankings of prospects a lot over the last few weeks. He's been just so amazing. He's definitely a future star in volleyball. I even saw a few people comparing him to a certain Irvin Engapet the other day, given his kind of, you know, he's not huge. I think he's 6'4", 6'5". Jumps out of the gym, though. Really strong attacker. Wicked arm swing. Kind of came out of nowhere. Monza signed him last season. Then had a really good summer with the Ukrainian national team, I believe, as their captain at only 20 years old. So this guy's going to be a big name in volleyball. Get in on the uh, bandwagon while you still can. All right, so that is the podcast for today. A few plugs here. I came up with a YouTube video on channel 5-1 Volleyball about the best players in the Polish Plus Liga. So if you haven't seen that yet, go check that out. I believe the title is Best Players of the Polish Volleyball League 2018-2019. Going to try and do a podcast with Volleyball Source. This Friday, he's finally back from his cross-country road trip. So you guys have that to look forward to. As always, check out the website 51vb.com where I post everything that I make. And I hope you guys have a great week. Thanks.